Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we've got a great guest today. We're going to be visiting with Tara Janelle Walsh. She's written a book called Soul Courage, but before we bring her on, Linda, we were talking earlier today, and our audience didn't have a chance to listen to us, uh, about what happens when your heart opens and your spirit starts connecting, and in my case, it started connecting the dots. Well, you know, I've been doing this heart healing meditation now for, <laughs> it keeps like about five months, and I do it every day and I don't miss. And um, I, I'm starting to quiet down, and when you quiet down and listen to what really counts, and that's that little piece of soul that, that's in each of us, um, just silly things. I was looking for a key. And I, I tore New York apart. I tore Connecticut apart. I couldn't find the key. And when I, just before we left on Sunday, I was doing that meditation in Connecticut. And I said, you know, hey, guys, um, please help me find those keys because it's really driving me crazy. And then I forgot about it. We went out into the car. Um, and I thought I had looked in the glove box of the car we were taking home. And... Um, and I started to rifle through it, and I didn't, I didn't find them. And then I went deeper and deeper, and, there, and then at the very bottom of the glove box, there they were. So I said, this is no accident. You know, they, I really <clears throat> believe they helped me find the keys. Well, definitely they did. And, you know, it starts with little things like that and then it it multiplies like i and what 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 linda's talking about her heart meditation uh both of us use dr joseph gallenberger's meditation cd so if you google you know gallenberger there's not a whole lot of gallenbergers out there um you can see these meditation cds we had him as a guest i don't know a couple years ago and i fell in love with his liquid luck and his abundance uh waterfall cds i really do credit them for bringing my anxiety level down so that I could focus on my business and really grow it to the best of my ability. And Linda's talking about his heart meditation CDs. He's got two of them, a red and a blue one, right? Yeah, one is a healing heart and one is heart abundance. And I, I'm gravitating to the healing heart because I believe that my heart needs to be healed. And, and you know, and when we'll go into this later when, when we get Tara on because you know that that's part of it. It's about healing the heart. Uh, that's that's a big piece of coming, 
you know, I guess coming to terms with who you are and what you are and, and just allowing. But it's really funny. So that's Joe Gallenberger. But when I got Tara's book and I didn't get it until yesterday, so I haven't gone through it completely, but I'm, I've started. And then I, I noticed in the, in the dedications that she dedicated to her father, who is Neil Donald Walsh. And I didn't know that. But when I left Wall Street, one of the set of first books that I read after I left Wall Street was Conversations with God. I read all of them. I loved them. And I was so intrigued that he, ha- he had a, uh, a workshop in Miami uh, very shortly after I finished one or two or three of the books. And I hopped on a plane and went down to Miami for, I think it was a four-day workshop, and I got... You know, and I just loved it, and and it, you know, it's like, and then I got the CD of all the songs that they played at that workshop because, the, and I pull them out every once in a while and listen to those songs because they're so inspiring, and it's funny how it all comes full circle. And here's his daughter on our show. <laughs> I love that, but you know what's cool about him versus her, and you know, I don't mean any disrespect to uh, Tara's dad. I think he's a great guy, but she has her own voice and yes. her own very simple way of putting things and one of the things yeah that I read you know when I was reading her biography it says knowing this is one thing knowing how to do it is another yeah we've all heard that a million times but she goes on to say there are no schools offering courses in soul connection and in teaching how to express ourselves from a state of being that arises far beyond the limits of the mind that really resonated with me Linda because you know me, I am all about the egghead. I am, you know, egghead university, egghead, egghead, egghead. And the hardest thing for me, in once I connected it, you know, I became much more successful. But it was really hard for me to connect the egghead with the soul head, you know, to kind of get those in sync. Because to me, they felt like mutually, like non-existent. Like I would go to church and I would pray and I would meditate and do my things. And that was like one part of my being. Then I would go out into my egghead world world and my egghead job with my egghead, you know, kids and everything. And it was egghead, egghead, egghead. And to integrate those two was really hard for me because I think the egghead part of me had pushed the other part of me, the state of being down so far, um, especially because of the nature in which I was educated and how I was educated and where I was educated. There wasn't, there was a complete discounting of that being part. Well, I think uh, we all have to learn how to sort of turn off our our eggheads and start to listen to other messages because if the egghead is talking at you all the time, it, you, you you won't hear it. And and to me, when the egghead is talking, um, life gets very complicated. And when the uh, when you turn that off and try to listen to the real messages, then it, it gets a lot simpler, a lot sweeter. Um, you see, for me, and I, and I started to read Tara's book, and I like it very much, because it's simple. I like simple. I'm a simple girl. I like simple things. I told you I went to see, um, uh, who did I go to see? You, uh, Neil Donald Walsh? Chopra. No, Chopra. Oh. I, uh, Deepak Chopra. Oh, Deepak, yeah. He was at ABC Carpet uh, here in New York City uh, a couple of weeks ago, so I went to see him, and he had a, a yoga master with him. And, you know, he's, he's talking us the same message, a good message. It was, you know, the hidden benefits of yoga. But, it, you know, when you start to get into all these, you know, different Buddhist long word terms and then all of the goddesses and everything, and it gets to be, it gets to be a lot, and I kind of turn off because it's, it's not simple. You know, but 
that's why I like the conversation with God book. That's why I like this book. That's why I like Allen Burgers and, and several others that I've read. Because if it's just simple and it's direct, then I get it. When, when, they, when it gets too complicated, they lose me. Well, you know, not only do they lose you, but there's like a trust factor, you know, and that's the one thing that, you know, if it doesn't compute in my head, it's really hard for me to trust in my heart. And then, like, here's the funny circular thing that happens with that, you know, because I, I worked with um, some people who who are very, very close to Deepak Chopra. And what I found was at no point did this group that I was working with ever ask me, how did you know that? Or how do you know this? How do you? And a lot of times when we get out of our egg, get out of our eggheadedness, and we let things come through, we actually know a lot more than we think we know. And yeah. like, I don't know if it's divine intelligence coming through, but it saved my ass more than once. Um, and once I learned to trust that, I didn't need so much technical explanation and technical, technical, technical. Right. It's amazing how, you know, because my whole background is analytical, analytical. You must prove it. You must prove it. And then when I worked with this group of people who are all very high-level spiritual writers, I would say something and they go, oh, that's good. And they would write it down. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't have to defend this. I don't have to cite, like, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, and I could if I needed to. It wasn't like I was just spewing nonsense. But it was very interesting to be part of a think tank that didn't, like I always say, go back to the egg, like didn't go to the egghead part of us, you know, that yeah. we could we could kind of use all of it. Well, you know, that, you know, Charles talks about it in the book. I can't wait to get around about the soul team. And, you know, you know when somebody, when you connect with somebody and not on, on that level because it just feels good. You love being in their presence. You can't wait to see them again. It's, a, it's just a, a calmness. Uh, my trainer, Fred, um, and who has become a very dear friend, when I'm with him, I could I could come into and be all hepped up and create and then when I'm saying ah, it's like a deep breath I just calm down and it's so lovely being in his presence. Well, and I think that goes for not only the people around you, but the people you work with. You know, over the last two years, Linda, you've seen me do this. I've turned over my company. I have a very different client base. I still have some of my favorite longstanding clients, but I got rid of a lot of clients yeah. that, like, they would just, just the name on a message sheet would just start my teeth clenching and my neck would get tight. <laughs> no, they could have called to wish me a happy birthday for all I know. But, you know, I realized that I used to think, well, if somebody looks good on paper, they're a good client to work for. And what's happened since I've become more heart open is that, or allowing my heart openness to have a say in my world, is that if a client doesn't feel right, that's enough for me. Like, yeah. And that's a big deal for somebody who's, you know, a business major and, you know, has her checklists and her spreadsheets and her checks and balances. Absolutely. And, and, it, once, and, it, and it works almost every single time, you know, and if, and if you force it and go to the person that, you, that, that makes you cringe, it, you usually have very, very bad experience and it, it's for both of you. For both of us. And, you know, it's like the person that I don't want to take on as a client ultimately always becomes the person that everything goes wrong anyway. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you know, it's never my, you know, you know, it's just 
that whole negative ball of whatever, um, I've learned to listen to it, respect it, identify it, and realize, you know what? I don't have to defend my thoughts. I don't have to defend my choices. For crying out loud, I'm a sole business owner for that reason, you know? But it's learning to trust. I think trust yeah. is a big part of, of you know, um, Tara's book, you know, with soul courage. You've got to trust yourself. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I should take us to commercial break. I trust you'll let me take us to commercial break. Uh, Our guest when we come back from the break is Tara Janelle Walsh. She's written a book called Soul Courage, and uh, it's produced by Rainbow uh, Ridge Books, and it's a body, mind, and spirit book. So you're not going to want to miss this in-depth interview with her when we get back. If you liked what we said in the opening segments, you're going to love what we're going to say when we come back. More after the break. We've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where every spring we seem to get pummeled with hailstorms. What's another name for a thunderstorm? A cockeyed bob. The Guinness Book of World Records states the largest known hailstone in U.S. history was over 7 inches in diameter. That's almost the size of a soccer ball. The famous hailstone was found in central Nebraska in June 2003. But if we think the hail's bad here in Texas, I guess it's better than living in parts of Africa, where they average 130 days of hailstorms each year. Other hail-prone areas include India, Russia, China, and Italy. The Aussies call hailstones, drift ice, glazed frost, pancake ice, and frost flowers. I wonder how they measured hail before the invention of the golf ball. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin. And as promised, we're visiting with Tara Janelle Walsh. She's written a book, Soul Courage, Watch What Happens. So that's going to lead me to the first question is, what happens after people have read your book? (laughs) 
Well, first of all, hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got to, if I can't ruin the end of the story, you know, I, you've got to watch what happens. You've got to see for yourself. Actually, um, it's more Spoil. of an experience. Spoiler alert. Well, but I think it's important that, you know, like when I look at buying a book, I, you know, I get lots of books from a publisher's Tara, Linda does too. And we go, okay, what am I going to get from this book? You know, and you know, some of the things that I think of right up front are really simple spoken because, you know, some of these books that we've reviewed, Linda, you know, like a couple of them, oh my gosh, I've had to scratch my head and read, you know, the same paragraph six times just to figure it out. And then I end up stopping the book. But your book, I think, is a very simple map to, you know, finding your soul courage. That's how I would describe it. What about you, Linda? No, I, you know, as I told you before, simple means a lot to me. And yes, and, you know, I think you have to have a little bit of a, of a background um, in in what really matters and who what you know who we really are um but you know tara starts off with that and it listen i mean if we could all just believe that you know that we were you know spirits having a human experience the world would be a very different place but i tara why why do people not want to hear that message why is it so frightening to to hear the message that we are all souls in physical form is that the message yeah yeah I, you know, I don't know why that's frightening. I think possibly because uh, we would be held more accountable by ourselves for taking life more seriously or being, I'm not sure why. Maybe people have just grew up with such different, you know, things that generational passed down that people have told them that it's a shock or I bet there's a multitude of reasons. It's scary. They They can't understand it. The non-understanding of which makes them... Like, uh, I, I don't know. What would be your answer? Well, you know, I didn't, you know, that was certainly nothing that I grew up with in my family. I mean, you know, I was brought up Jewish, but, you know, that was, you know, the beginning and the end of it. There certainly wasn't any kind of talk about spirituality or, or souls or anything like that. I mean, when you, with your dad, was it part of your early upbringing? Is it something that you accepted or something that you rebelled against? Uh, yes, part of my upbringing, even way before Dad wrote the book, um, my parents split when I was like two. Mm. So my mother raised me for the most part, and her side of the family is Catholic, but my mom was the black sheep of the family, and we did not go to church or do any of the you know practices of religious practices. She, on the other hand, was all into the mystical and ARE meetings every Wednesday, which she took us to ever since we were like eight years old to when we were 15, and <laughs> had meetings at our house and you know crystals and all kinds of stuff we were just introduced to at a very young age. So my mind was already open and fertile and ready. And then when dad's stuff came out, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, I know that. <laughs> of course, you know, I was blown away. But so much of it, I was already ready to hear. Even Were, at, were you shocked when he came out with those books? Um, I mean, he told, not the, you know, he told the story that he was homeless and, and you, know, it, it, you know, and he was ready to just, you know, chuck it all in. And all of a sudden, he, he's, he's writing but he's, but it's not him. <laughs> it's, it, I loved it. I just, you know, I loved it. Yeah. I, I was proud of him and also very much like, what? You didn't tell us any of this. Wait a minute. <laughs> so, and it just looked at my dad in a whole different way. Like, yeah. wow. 
didn't realize he was this in depth because he was always just daddy. And now all of a sudden, of course, he was always more than that because we would have talks and he had such great insight and so forth. So I wasn't blown away, but definitely shifted things. You know, I know well, I thought, you know, you're doing all of these wonderful greeting cards and that's your company. What inspired you now uh, at this time to do the book, this book? Well, I tell you, I've been wanting to write this book for a long time. Um, and I didn't have the courage, I will admit openly. I was scared and nervous and um, I don't about you what? know. About being judged about people um, saying, oh, just because her father's a writer, she thinks she can do it, too. Mm. About people putting me under a microscope, about um, failing, looking like an idiot, <laughs> no one getting me, about just everything, scared of failure, scared of success, scared of judgment, scared of the whole shebang. And um, I moved through that. I, I still wanted to express myself so deeply, and that's when I moved into the greeting cards, and I wrote and designed those, and they... I was nervous when I put the first batch of those out. I was like, are people going to get me or am I they think I'm crazy? And I got such great response from them. People would cry and just love, you know, what I was putting out there. So little by little through the years, I've just, uh, you know, built the courage and been writing and just decided I'm doing it. I've got to do this. Well, and see, yeah, but- I'm just going to say, Tara, I want to jump in. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Tara, I'm going to get it wrong all the time. Um, <laughs> I love what you just said because, you know, I come from a cornfield, so there's like no risk if I fail. Like I just go back home and raise chickens. So they're really, you know, if I try things, there's not any, you know, really big fear other than, you know, oh, well, it didn't work. But when you look at somebody who has a very successful dad in the field, I truly never thought about what you just said because when I look at a famous person in whatever industry is they're in and then their kid does something, you know, whether it's Kid Rock's kid singing or, you know, whoever, you think, oh, well, you know, they're just trading on their dad's coattails. Oh, they're just, you know, they got a leg up. Of course they got, you know, the song published. I never really thought for a minute how much fear there would be living in that successful person's shadow. And like when you said that to me, I was like, oh, I totally get it. Yeah, so much so. And you're right on the mark with those um, previous thoughts and judgments because that's what people do think. People think, oh, must be must be nice since your dad has all the leads and you just instantly got published. And no, I had to show up. I mean, I couldn't have just written anything and had it published. Of course, he had connections, of which I'm grateful for, but it's just scary. It's scary to know people are going to judge you, and I just had to let go of that and and choose me, you know? Yeah. Have you you let go of that now in in other parts of your life? I mean, because, you know, we talk about fear, and fear is such a, you know, such a, a big thing for so many people. You know, we all have fear about certain things, but if we can get past that fear and you know good things happen but it's just getting through that wall yeah it is it's difficult and you know an answer to your question yes in a lot of ways i have let go of the fear and in a lot of ways there still is fear around you know upcoming things or you know other things and it's natural but i process my fear differently maybe it's still there or it's there in different ways but i i don't let it rule me 
I, I can almost like see it as a watcher and see it trying to take a life of its own, but understand that none of it matters at the same time. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. You know, I, I think that that's a big part. If we didn't, if we didn't take our physical part and you know of this this lifetime so seriously and just got out of the way, things would be so much smoother for us. But oh we, you know, we we get so entangled in uh, you know in life. It's just you know, and 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 sometimes it's very detrimental. Right. I know we can't be on a mountaintop, you know, meditating all the time. But you know, it's just just you think about things differently. I think when you when you get into this place, and I think that just thinking about things differently and recognizing something that you're doing, but then coming back and say, "Holy cow, this really, you know, in the long run, this really doesn't even matter." Exactly. And I'm going to do the best I can do. Well, see, and I'm going to buzz in now since, you know, we're talking about spirituality and we did mention, you know, Catholicism and Judaism. I have to buzz in and say, as hokey as it sounds, one of the things that has helped me so much in my life with the wrangling of fear, because we always have it, but are these passages that I memorized as a little girl from the Bible. I was raised Christian and with a Protestant dad and Baptist family. So, you know, you name it, I got Christianity thrown at me one level or another, But when I went through challenges in my life, like my divorce or the death of my mom, I was really thankful to have those passages to hold on to. I was really thankful for my prayers, you know, my memory prayers, because they got me through so much. Like sitting in the courthouse, waiting for the judge to rule, you know, nervous as a cat. And I just kept saying, you know, with God before me, no one could be against me with God before me. (laughs) You know, know, or sometimes I'll say the Hail Mary if I'm really stressed at night and I can't go to sleep or the Our Father. And, you know, there's some value in these rituals, huge value for me. I'm not saying everybody needs to convert, but one of the things that organized religion does give us is some of these technical tools that can help you mitigate fear. So there's my plug for organized religion. I'll shut up now. <laughs> okay. Well, my well when we come back from the break, I want, I want um, uh, Tara to talk about, you know, exactly what is soul courage? What does it mean to be, you know, soul courageous and you know it's it's easy to say but how do we get to be that way what are the steps to getting to that to that place where you know you really recognize who you are recognize your soul and sort of live the life that you were meant to live great that works for me i'm just so glad to get my head blown off for supporting organized religion because that's a hard thing to to say these days i think you know people get a bad rap out of it but i'm of the mind guys that i love everything i've been exposed to on this radio station you know and all these different guests we've had on linda including you know our guest today tara janelle walsh and her book soul courage because at every turn i've picked up something new and it's enhanced my life and made it better so for those of you who are like Linda and I and we're perpetual students in life who want to pick up Tara's book the book we're talking about is Soul Courage watch what happens I know I'm going to tease her all show about that watch what happens Um, (laughs) but you know what watch what happens because when you invest in yourself when you believe in yourself when you pull yourself out of your thinking and your rote memory and you're always doing it this way and you try something different guess what watch what happens you get different results Results. We will be back from the break with Tara Janelle Walsh. This is Linda Franklin and Sandra Beck of Powered Up Talk Radio. We'll catch you after the break. 
we've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you girls about 42. Tossing pennies into the fountain of youth. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Do you ever get nervous riding in an elevator because you're afraid the cable might snap? It's entered my mind more than once. According to Elevator World magazine, on the rare occasion a cable breaks, the car won't hunge plunge to the bottom. This is because elevators have as many as 10 cables holding them up, each capable of supporting a fully loaded car. Sometimes I feel a little mischievous in elevators. Next time you're feeling like a rapscallion, try one of these little jokes. When there's only one other person in the elevator, tap them on the shoulder and then pretend it wasn't you. Push one of the buttons and pretend it gave you a shock. Or maybe start a sing-along. What's a word for a person who thinks he's funny but no one else does? Vitzel souped. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin. And for those of you that listened to the first segment, you're going to know I have not let Tara Janelle Walsh off the hook. On her cover, it says, Soul Courage, Watch What Happens. So we're going to take another whack at it, Tara, and I'm going to ask you, so what happens after people read your book, or what do you hope will happen after people read your book? Well, yes, and I was just saying during the break, the reason I didn't give the answer is because something different might happen for each person. But what happened for me was I experienced life in a new way. It was almost as though I came out of hiding, if you will. I know that sounds dramatic, but my cloaks were off. I let things down, and I just felt so open to people and to life. And I felt like suddenly I got things. My relationships improved. Things felt like they were flowing to me more and more readily. People just felt like they understood me. People looked at me. They saw me. My world just felt clean and real and open, and I felt free inside, as I do now. So just to find for, for some of the listeners, you know, what is soul courage? Tell them what, what that means, like in everyday life. What does that mean? Well, soul courage is... Daring to be and own all of yourself. 
without shame, without judgment, apology, excuses, without hiding, without any of that. Whatever that is, whether that's joyful, whether that's sad, whether that's frustrated, but bravely being all that you're encompassing in that moment, whatever moment you're living in. And the cool thing is that everyone has courage. Everyone has soul courage, excuse me, but it's different than being courageous, so having soul courage and being courageous are two different things because courage is like courage in higher hibernation, having soul courage. It's just there. It's within us. When we're little, we're born with it, but it's just asleep until it's activated. And when we activate soul courage into courageousness, that is when we find our freedom. That is where we come out of hiding. And I talk about how I did that. Well, tell tell us how you did that. Tell tell you guys how I did it. Yeah. Okay. Well, are, are you interested in hearing my story or just the 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 formula I found? All of it. All of it. Oh, oh my God! How long, how much time do I have? <laughs> yeah, we got another twenty minutes. Twenty five. I'm rubbing my hands together. <laughs> well, I was at a low, totally low point in my life. Uh, I'm sure a lot of listeners have been there, and I didn't. I didn't know what to do with myself anymore. I, I had an eating disorder that was spiraling out of control for seven years plus, and it turned into severe depression. And my sister came, and I was living in Denver at the time, and she came and rescued me. She just showed up at my doorstep and, and said, pack your bags. We're going to Johns Hopkins in the morning. And I was like, what? And yeah, it wasn't an option. So they took me to the hospital, and I got all kinds of treatment, quote unquote, in there. It was a very interesting experience. But it wasn't until I left the hospital a couple months later that I really felt my true healing began. Because something something bizarre happened. It, it was as though I was being released into the world in a, you know, in a new way. I don't want to say for the first time, because that sounds way dramatic. But I, I always make this comparison. Have you ever been to a um, a matinee in the middle of the day that's like a long movie? Like, remember when those long movies were out? I, I can't think of any, but two, three-hour movies. And you step out afterwards. It's like two or three in the afternoon. And it's bright daylight out. And you've mm-hmm. just been entrenched in a story in the dark for hours and zoned in. And then you're just kind of thrown out into the light and into all the stimulation of the noises and the energies of all a variety of different people. And it's like, <gasps> it's, it's that feeling of being submerged into a new space where you just trying to like really re-grasp yourself. It's almost surreal. Well, it felt like that a hundred times over. And I started to experience uh, interesting things. I could feel other people's feelings. I noticed that people, more importantly, were doing what I had been doing for years. They were numbing their feelings out. They were numbing a lot of their life out. And I saw this so blatantly. It was just so interesting. I was like, oh, my gosh. Half the world is hiding. Yeah. And, and everybody's uh, so busy, and you know, because they're almost they're afraid to stop being busy and being by themselves. Because I don't know what the fear of that is, but that you know, that's why everybody's running around like chickens with their heads cut off. That's right. Exactly. That's right. And the slowing down and would bring 
us would give us the opportunity to feel who we are in that moment and to actually feel our feelings and feel the energy and the presence around us and that it was the first thing that i realized is what helped me to move into courageousness is to take my courage and move it into courageousness to to actually stop and feel which i started doing automatically as I, after i got out of the hospital because i was I, whatever. I almost said reborn. <laughs> now I'm laughing at myself. I'm like, that's really dramatic. But I felt just freshly activated. And though I just started feeling and not in a way where it was like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there meditating and or crying all the time. But I started allowing myself to have experiences instead of like you were saying, running around, you know, being busy all the time. Or hiding behind what I call resistance techniques, which are, they can be anything from food, is what mine was at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, alcohol, drugs, it can just be overworking, or or as weird as it sounds, it can even be over-Facebooking, you know? Or, yeah. Or you know the people that are addicted to their phone every minute, they, they're just like, well, hold on, hold on. And it's like hiding behind this, you know? It's like, it's a numbing device. It is. It is. I'm just going to go back. Like, I just want to go back and say, I want to give you permission to say born again, like I was born again, because I think any of us that have gone through trauma or gone through addictions or gone through addictive behavior, even, you know, if it's not, you know, inpatient or, you know, there's many times in our life that we emerge from a shell, like, like the, you know, the, like the tried and true, you know, chrysalis turns into a butterfly kind of thing. But we do, I always jokingly say I molt like you know I molt and I let all the other stuff fall away that doesn't serve me I keep the good stuff and I go on and I molt like every 10 years I think I'm on my fourth molting and (laughs) you know molting sounds gross born again sounds good you know Um, but I think it's okay to say that because we do really reinvent ourselves we really do you know if we believe that we're a soul here enjoying a human experience what's the point like, we're not just here, you know, having a human experience to, you know, to, to struggle with an addiction or to, um, you know, participate in an earthquake. You know, that's, <laughs> these are not fun things for us to participate in. So there's a reason we're learning something, we're growing, we're doing. So, you know, I just wanted to, to um, I wanted to congratulate you and commend you on writing some work about things that are very painful somebody you know one eating disorder person to another it's very intimate when you write about the things you're doing either in recovery after recovery part of your recovery part of your continuation you name it it's a very intimate process and given the fact that you have such a famous father in this genre that to me says like you have uber soul courage um because that's that's tough i mean you talk about things that were very challenging for you which we don't really do as a society yeah but you know what when we do guess what happens (laughs) freedom what did you say freedom yeah freedom yeah and connection and 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 closeness to other people could people like you step up and say i know how you feel i had the same thing or i'm experiencing something with the same feeling with something different or or maybe they don't even know how we feel but they're there with compassion and 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 that was 
that was how I discovered, you know, I was talking about how I moved in courageousness. Feel was the first, first aspect. And, and the second aspect was express. What I discovered, actually, to just give it an overall thing, was what I now call um, the sacred formula, which is feel, express, connect. And when we have the courage to feel our feelings fully and express them to either ourselves, to the person we're with, or just to the universe, just express them, get that energy out of our body, that I believe is where the connection is, is where the understanding is, the connection to the divine, the God of our choice, the connection to our souls, the connection to others, just that overall feeling of like, I get it. Oh, I'm just going to, okay. I, I just want to say something, Linda, that I'll let you go. But sure. you know, Linda pointed out to me something before the show today, we were discussing your book and she says, you know, San, one of the things like, you know, that we resist reading are sometimes the, the most important thing we need to read. And, you know, um, Linda, you said that to me. And then now, uh, Tara, when you said feel, connect, express, like that was the hardest thing for me to do because I had numbed everything off. I'd shut everything off so much that I didn't feel anymore. Well, if you can't feel, you can't connect. And I'm sorry, it's feel, express, connect. Go ahead. Right, feel, express, connect, right. You you can't, like, if I don't feel anything, I can't express it. And there were times, Tara, and Linda, you know about that period of time with me. I felt like I had nothing to say, which is really funny that I'm on the radio now. But at the time, <laughs> I couldn't feel anything, Tara, so I couldn't express myself, and therefore I couldn't connect. And I really built, like, this big fortress around me. And I think, you know, you're definitely onto something here. Yeah, sure. That's exactly it. And that's what we do. We build purposes. So in one way or another, and it's just so interesting to me when I discovered that, how I saw so clearly, I want to say so much of the world doing that. I was just like, and it broke my heart. It really did. And that was one thing that got me to build the courage up to just share my story. Well, I am really glad you did. I need to take us to commercial break. Uh, We are visiting today with Tara Janelle Walsh. Her book is Soul Courage and Watch What Happens. And now the fun thing about this book, it's a very, very pretty purple cover. And if you could see it, when I push the cover back and forth, it glints in the gold. So if you like pretty books um, that are different and unique, you can see it shine. I'm sitting here flipping it back and forth in the sun because quite frankly, if I'm reading a book on soul courage, I want it to be inspiring. And the gold on the cover is really a whole lot of fun and very inspiring. You're going to want to check out her book, Tara Janelle Walsh. She's going to come back after the break and Linda and I are going to talk with her. Her book can be found with Rainbow Ridge Books, Body, Mind, and Spirit Department for $16.95. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. It's 
study finds the happiest couples sleep the closest together, as in less than an inch apart. A survey of 1,000 couples found that 86% of those who kept such close perimeters reported they were satisfied with their relationship. Only 66% of couples who slept 30 inches apart or more reported being completely happy in their marriage. What's the word for getting up on the wrong side of the bed? Metutalipia. Another predictor of relationship happiness is touch. While 94% of couples who made physical contact throughout the night reported a happy relationship, just 68% of couples who kept their distance did the same. What's the word for the semi-conscious state between sleep and wakefulness? Hypnopompic. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and I didn't mean to sound like, you know, Joe Book Peddler, um, but I do like to know how much books cost, and I was corrected that it is available on Amazon for $14.95. I know sometimes these spiritual books can be really outrageous, but I want you to know that this one is very affordable, and neither Linda nor I have been paid um, to promote this book. This is just a book that we both uh, wanted to read and discuss, and um, it's very interesting, and it brings up a couple points that like I struggle with you know one is like being present and the other one is being unconscious I'm really good at putting myself into a conscious state so I don't have to be present it's part of my avoidant personality um, but a lot of people are truly unconscious and it makes it very hard once your heart gets open and once you kind of ratchet up your soul courage that you can step forward into, you know, a better life for yourself, um, both for your family, your friends. I think anytime you do soul work, you really elevate everyone around you. There's like no downside to soul work. Um but it makes being around unconscious people really difficult. Linda, you know a little bit about that. No, I, I do. And, and, you know, so I've, I've shed a lot of, since Wall Street, <laughs> I've shed a lot of friends. Um, and I, well, you know, I don't mind, I like being by myself. And maybe I like being by myself too much, but it's just, <laughs> it's just who I've become. And, and, and I have no problem with it. I want to ask Tara about, her sacred formula. Tell us about the sacred formula. Uh, well, the sacred formula, again, is feel, express, 
connect. And it is the way in which I discovered how to activate my courage into courageousness. And I discussed a little bit about feeling and then expressing, because it does no good to have all these feelings inside. As we all know, emotions are energy in motion. So if we just feel them, they're trapped in our body. And that often leads to illnesses and, and more depression and more addiction and more numbing and so forth. It's like a spiral. So the expression was half of the healing um, and the movement into being courageous because, gosh darn it, even when you're expressing alone, even when it's not face-to-face, I found initially, and even to this day sometimes, it's scary it's scary even to cry sometimes. And the bizarre thing is sometimes it's scary to even be excited that it wasn't something I discovered. It wasn't just what I did with my pain. Because I ask in the book that, uh, you know, I bring up that I ask myself, what do I do with my pain? And then I also realized, what do I do with my joy? Do I, you know, do I give myself that moment to feel and express it? Do I jump up and down like a kid, like I did when I was younger and go, yes, I just wrote a book. Or do I go right to like, what happens if I'm a failure? What happens, you know, just deprive myself of that. So, um, so much of the express part is cathartic and movement and um, just freedom. And then comes the connection part. That's the result of, I believe, feeling and expressing finding that connection it actually just dovetails right in there just blends in it's like like i was saying earlier like like, wow okay i get it i feel connected more connected to this person because i express my feelings even if they were disagreeable feelings i now feel more connected um even if i'm expressing to myself i feel more connected so that became my formula and i doubted it at first when i when i kind of thought of it i thought oh i don't know Am I on to something? I thought I was on to something. And so I tried it out. I kind of dabbled in giving it a shot, trying it out on some people I knew. And it sounds kind of silly saying tried it out because I it's just part of my being now. But I uh, just wanted to see if other people got it, if it had any effect on other people. And um, to my delight, <laughs> I saw that it did, that people magically opened up and that there was a beautiful connection made, even with perfect strangers, as I illustrate when I'm at the, uh, the you know, shopping mart or Target or wherever I was talking to the checkout lady. So <clears throat> that, that became, you know, something that, as you guys say, most simple thing, but suddenly became so clear to me. Well, you know, because everything else is fake. Like, this is the problem I have. And granted, I live in Southern California, like the fake capital of the world. But, you know, when you're struggling with stuff, everybody seems even more perfect. You know, like when I was getting divorced and my mom was dying, you know, all like within the same. And I went through a foreclosure all within a couple months. Um, I looked around and everybody looked like blissfully happy couples. You know, everybody else was paying their mortgages and getting new cars. And, you know, it just shut me down even more. And so the few people that would come to me from a point of, hey, look, 
you know, I'm not perfect and this is what's happening in my life that's not great. Not that I wanted them to have problems. Nobody wants that. But Mm -hmm. we all struggle and so much of our society is about this facade that Mm -hmm. my life is effortless. You know, I'm 60 years old and I look like I'm 20 and, you know, I don't have wrinkles. I don't age. Like, it's really, really hard and it really shuts down. At least it does for me. I can't speak for other people. But when that happens, it shuts down like how I feel. I start feeling bad. So then I, you know, shut off my feelings. Then I stop expressing and then what a shock. I stopped connecting. Um, Right. I think that when you, it's like that thing about like, you know, like Linda, I love Linda because she always tells me like the reality. She'd be like, look, you know, did you ever think of it this way? Or did you ever think of that? And she's, she's no sugarcoating, no, you know, um, but it's real. And I think we're all craving real. Yes. Yes. But it's scary to be real, right? Oh, that means we have to be vulnerable. So that's, that's the, the part, but you're right on it with everyone's walking around wearing cloaks. And that's another thing I noticed. And, you know, I have a big thing going that's, you know, I always say cloak be gone. (laughs) I make a little joke out of it. Even when I notice my own self trying to put a cloak on because it still happens. It's still natural to want to protect ourselves. But how aware are we of it? How present are we with ourselves and with other people, as Linda was saying, that we can sense when we ourselves are, you know, have a wall of protection around us or making, you know, putting a facade on or wearing a cloak or a mask or whatever you want to say. But we're not we're not allowing ourselves to be vulnerable enough to let our true authentic self shine, whatever that is. We're feeling like we need to do the dance, do whatever it takes to keep everyone in the room, to keep everyone happy, and to continue creating approval from everyone. Because we, for some reason, are under the impression that if they approve of us, then then we'll stay connected. Now, so, let me ask you, did you let your dad read your book before you turned it into the publisher? Uh, yeah. Are you kidding me? He edited it. <laughs> oh, okay. I was just curious, you know, going like, you know, because your book has a lot of vulnerability in it. And maybe that was my own experience with it. And maybe I'm projecting my own things. But there were times that I felt what you felt. And it, you know, and it's very intimate and very vulnerable for just a little book. He, uh, this is so funny. I can't believe you say that. I had so much more in my book uh, about just my own personal vulnerabilities. And he, my dad was crossing things off, big X's. Too much information. <laughs> TMI. Readers don't care about you, you know, throwing up or, well, you know, whatever the situation was that I was exposing. You know, readers don't care about this. And I'm like, oh. Well, I thought that's what made me real. You know, I'm kind of going here, taking the knife to my wrist. This is who I am. You know, I'm not I'm not scared anymore. And and maybe you can identify. So um, but, you know, like you were saying, and, and as Linda mentioned earlier, it's you know, we we connect with certain people. And we don't connect with certain people. And as, as long as we don't take it on as a responsibility, it's our job now to give everyone soul courage. It's just our responsibility. But we can build what I call a soul team. And that is maybe we're not making other people responsible for being aware or conscious or present or having courage like us. But we can detect and feel inside when we meet others who are in the same path as us. We can sense that they are on our team spiritually, on a deeper level, on a soulful level. And um, 
to live life in a way that we know we're not alone, to gather them up energetically, our soul team up, and know that we're all in this together and to have their best interest at heart. They have our best interest at heart. And they're people that we can go to with anything. So we know we at least have that. Yeah, well, that's a real gift. Do you find that you, you know it automatically or sometimes you meet a person and your first impression might not be what you end up thinking about that person? You have to sort of get through a layer. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think that's because they may have had a cloak on. And yeah. once you warm up to them, it, it melts off. It kind of falls off the bone. And then you're like, oh, there you are. I can see you now. You know, that kind of thing. You, you can feel them. No, and yes. people want that. People, people are yearning for that. They're hungry for that, and and it's it's such a, it's a gift when when you when you find somebody that you can really connect with. It is. It's beautiful. Yeah, and I found that you know, and I wasn't doing this for this reason, but I found that the more I showed up like that, the yeah. more it gave others permission to show up this way as well. Yeah, it was like transparency a is a big word. Yeah, the what's a big yeah. word? Transparency. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I, I work with uh, female veterans. And, you know, when, when you come in and you, you're honest about who you are and what you are and how you can relate in certain ways, but certainly not. I've never been a veteran. You know, I've never been to a, a war zone. But, you know, they, they know that you're real and they know that you're, you're empathetic and, and it means a lot. And it feels safe, you yeah. know? Safe is a big word, too. Yes, yeah, safe. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you can't just take your cloak off for just anybody. I mean, there's a lot of weirdos and creeps out there. I mean, I'm not trying to be like negative Nelly over here, but, you know, it's a fine line. Like I like when I meet somebody and I instantly have that like, <gasps> then I'm like that shields up, you know, like, <laughs> you know, and I just it, that's interesting you say that because I think there's a difference between um, putting a cloak on or a mask on or facade or a wall of protection or having boundaries. Because I generally have my cloak off for almost everyone. Uh, you know, there are times when I, it pops in and out and I, you know, I'm, I have check-ins with myself. But for the most part, I'm pretty free and open. What you see is what you get. But I do have very strong boundaries. Yeah, which that's important. Story. Yeah. Oh, maybe, I that's know. A, maybe that's a story for another show. I know. Yeah. I know. Whole nother show on boundaries. So if yes. you liked our guest today, her name is Tara Janelle Walsh. Her book, Soul Courage, Watch What Happens. I want you guys to read it and watch what happens in your life. There's lots of little essays in here. It's an easy read. You know, Linda and I have both talked about that. Easy and simple doesn't mean it's not any less valuable. It just means that you don't have to work so hard to understand what the book is about. Soul Courage, Tara Janelle Walsh. will be back again next week. Thank you. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and prominent